From the wilderness of Kodiak Island, Alaska, this is Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier with your host, Robin Bearfield. In a land full of peril and vicious animals, humans are the most dangerous predators of all. Anchorage, Alaska is the small airplane capital of the world. And flying in Alaska is a thrilling experience where you can view spectacular scenery and reach remote lakes, rivers, and stretches of wilderness that are inaccessible by road. For the commercial pilots who fly these small planes, though, the job can be stressful at times, and they must depend upon their skills and common sense. Every year, small plane crashes make the news in Alaska, and sadly, I have known too many pilots who have been injured or killed in crashes. Pilots know their jobs can be dangerous, and commercial pilots are sometimes pressured by their passengers or bosses to fly in marginal weather conditions. The weather might be beautiful in the morning when a pilot leaves base, but he knows conditions can change quickly, and weather patterns often vary from one mountain pass to the next. Commercial pilots in Alaska have a tough job, but near the bottom of a pilot's list of concerns is the fear he will be murdered on the job. After all, who would want to kill his pilot? I imagine when pilot Robert Feather headed to work at Jayhawk Air on the morning of May 15, 1993, he did not consider he might be murdered by one of his passengers. Maybe he worried about the weather conditions, or perhaps he was concerned about a strange noise he heard in the plane's engine the previous day. But murder would not have crossed his mind. Later that afternoon, when a passenger fired a single shot at him, Robert Feather did not have time to think about anything. Within seconds, bullet fragments hit him in the head and killed him. On May 6, 1993, William Durier flew from Anchorage to Cottonwood Bay on the west side of Cook Inlet between Lake Iliamna and the south end of the Kenai Peninsula. Durier jointly owned a piece of land near Cottonwood Bay with Mark and Oliver Toveson. The three men planned to build an airstrip on their property and start a bear viewing business. In the late 80s and early 90s, bear, the bear viewing industry in Alaska rapidly grew when tourism boomed in the state. Bear viewing became especially popular near Lake Iliamna and Lake Clark, where bears congregate in the summer to feed on spawning salmon. It seemed as if overnight a dozen airlines catering to bear viewers opened their doors, and tourists doled out hundreds of dollars for the experience of flying to a remote area to watch brown bears catch and eat salmon. The Tovesom brothers and William Durier hoped to cash in on this growing industry. Durier agreed to supply the heavy excavating equipment, while the Tovesom brothers said they would supply the labor for constructing the airstrip. Tim Karlovich, a pilot with Jayhawk Air in Anchorage, flew William Durier to his property in Cottonwood Bay on May 6, 1993. When they arrived at Durier's land, 
they were surprised to see much of Duryea's machinery and equipment had either been vandalized or was missing. Duryea remained at Cottonwood Bay, and when Karlovich returned to Anchorage, he reported the theft and damage of Duryea's equipment to the Alaska State Troopers. Trooper A.J. Charlton flew to Cottonwood Bay to investigate the incident, and Duryea told him he had recently argued with the Tobeson brothers, and he believed the brothers vandalized the property. He said he feared they might return and do more damage. When Trooper Charlton arrived back in Anchorage, he called Duryea's son Donald and told him about the vandalism and theft of his father's equipment. Donald and his brother Brian flew to Cottonwood Bay a few days later to check on their father, and they found him sleeping in a small cabin near the airstrip. William had locked the door from the inside, and his sons had to pound on the door to wake him. When he finally opened the door, he held a pistol in his hand and explained to his sons the Tovesome brothers had damaged his property, and he feared they might return. Donald and Brian stayed for a few hours and then flew back to Anchorage. Their father chose to stay and guard his property. On May 15th, William Durier said he realized he was experiencing psychological problems and he could not sleep. He decided he needed to return to Anchorage and seek help. So he radioed Ron Auberg in the nearby village of Pedro Bay and asked Auberg to call Jayhawk Air in Anchorage and tell them he would like to be picked up later that afternoon. Auberg later received a message from Jayhawk Air stating a plane would arrive at Cottonwood Bay to pick up Durier at approximately 5 p.m. Auberg tried to relay this information to Durier, but Durier did not answer the radio call. Pilot Robert Feather, with Jayhawk Air, left Anchorage ahead of schedule that afternoon, and he arrived at Cottonwood Bay at 3.30 p.m. Durier had fallen asleep, and when the airplane landed, it woke him. Durier later claimed he was confused when he awoke. He said he forgot he'd called for an airplane to fly him back to Anchorage, and when he heard the plane, he thought the thieves had returned. Durier grabbed his rifle and opened the trailer door. He said he saw a man moving very fast and shot at him. The bullet struck the doorpost of the airplane and broke apart, the majority of the fragments hitting pilot Robert Feather in the head, killing him instantly. Durier claimed the recoil of the rifle blast cleared his mind, and he realized what a horrible mistake he had just made. He said he started yelling and screaming. He covered Feather's face with a paper towel and then called on the radio for the troopers. Kevin Jensen and Pedro Bay heard Durier's radio call and asked if he could help relay a message. Durier told him there had been an accidental shooting and he needed the troopers. Trooper Charlton and Iliamna Air Taxi Service pilot Tim Laporte arrived in Cottonwood Bay at 5 that evening. As soon as they landed, Durier walked up to the plane with his head bowed. He placed his hands on the strut and began to cry. (music) 
Trooper Charlton used Duryea's video camera to record the scene, and then he read Duryea his Miranda rights and tape-recorded Duryea's confession. Charlton arrested Duryea and flew him back to Anchorage, and Duryea was re-interviewed by Trooper Charlton and Trooper Mars on May 16th. Duryea again waived his Miranda rights and agreed to talk to the troopers. He told the troopers he suffered from seizures and said he had been having trouble sleeping and had not been functioning right. He said he was very confused when he shot Feather. Durier later moved to suppress his May 16th statement to troopers. He said the statement was not voluntary, and he said he did not know what he was doing when he waived his Miranda rights. Oddly, he did not move to suppress the statement he gave to Trooper Charlton at the scene of the crime even though the statement he made then and the statement he made on May 16th were nearly identical. Judge Cranston reviewed the transcript of the May 16th interview and then denied Duryea's motion to suppress his statement. The judge believed Duryea seemed fully aware of his Miranda rights and appeared to be coherent throughout the interview. On May 21, 1993, William Duryea was indicted for first-degree murder. In 1994, at his first trial, the jury convicted Duryea of second-degree murder. Duryea appealed this conviction and was granted a second trial in September 1997. This time, the jury found Duryea guilty of second-degree murder, but with a special verdict of guilty but mentally ill. The judge sentenced Duryea to 50 years in prison. Duryea became eligible for and applied for parole in January 2010, but the Department of Corrections determined Duryea suffers from a psychotic disorder, and it is somewhat controlled by medication. If he stops taking his medication, he likely will decompensate and become a danger to the public. Mental health workers who treated Duryea feared he would stop taking his medication if released from an institutional setting. This case was not a mystery. William Duryea admitted at the crime scene he killed Robert Feather. The perpetrator was mentally ill and not a callous murderer. But nevertheless, this was a horrifying crime. A friend of mine who was a commercial floatplane pilot suggested I profile this crime. And as he described the details of the murder, I sensed his fear. Before leaving for a flight, a pilot in Alaska must consider the wind speed and direction, the ceiling and visibility, the length of his flight, and his flight schedule for the day. Depending on where he will have to land, he needs to think about the height of the tide, the condition of the river, the rockiness of the beach, or the thickness of the ice. Pilots who have been doing this job for a while can consider all these variables in a matter of minutes and decide if the flight is doable or if it will have to wait until another time. A pilot cannot as easily control who his passengers will be or how they will act. I'm sure every bush plane pilot has had a few scary incidents with passengers. But the story of what awaited Robert Feather when he landed at Cottonwood Bay that spring afternoon must send a quiver of fear through all pilots.
Thank you for listening. And please check the show notes to find references for this podcast. I am an author, and I write Alaska Wilderness Mysteries. I've written four novels set in the wilderness of Kodiak Island. I also write a monthly newsletter about murder and mystery in Alaska. Check the show notes for more information on my novels and my newsletter. I'll be back soon with the next episode of Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier.